0: alright good thing to happen. God has never left control it's us that freak out right God sitting on the throne asking questions like he did him you gonna trust me good stuff You know, we're living in a world right now that, that that question is a good question. Do you trust God? Because things are crazy out there right now. And I expect them to get even crazier as we go forward. Uh, we're just living in a weird time. And uh things that you think you can uh, rely on, we're finding out they're not too reliable. Like, you know, America as a nation, you know, that's something we all kind of relied on as a a bulwark against anything bad happening in the world, but it's, you know, it's slipping. And, uh, you know, get this now. they uh, did a survey. 65% of Americans think that they are Christian. 65%. That's a lot, you know, two-thirds. But uh, 10 years ago, it was 75, percent so we've dropped 12% in 10 years. You know how many people that is? Over 33 million. 35 million. We have dropped 35 million Christians somewhere along 10 years. 35 million! Or even more. Because of the ones that say they are Christian. Honestly, I don't even know for sure that, they, that they're sure what that means. You know, what does it mean to be a Christian? Is it just an opinion on, on Facebook? Is it a like? Because most of them don't even know anything about what the Bible says about it. Because they have never read the Bible. And that's sort of where it all comes from, is the Bible. So we're in a world that's, you know, just getting, uh, getting shaken. One of the things that we're trying to do as a church is address the issues that are lacking in the church. And the Bible itself, the knowledge of the Bible, is one of the things we're trying to focus in on, because without a knowledge of the the Word, you are a whole lot more uh, subject to being deceived as the world closes in on the end. At the end, Satan comes uh, in the form of a false prophet and of Antichrist man. The great deceiver is coming with tremendous power and deception that Jesus himself said is so strong that even the elect, if it were possible, would be uh, taken away by. Very strong deception. That's coming. And so the one thing that you fight deception with is, is knowledge of truth. If you know the truth, you won't be easily turned. But I have been seeing some stuff here in the last couple of years that makes me wonder even a little bit about that. Because people that I know are really solid Christian, even leaders of Christians, uh, are being swayed to support things which God hates. Uh, I don't want to you know, raise your hands or anything, but I want you to vote in your mind. How many of you in here think that God hates killing babies? You raise your hands anyway. So, cool. If you didn't, think about it. Why would you think that God hates that? Murder of babies? How many of you think that babies, even in the world, are babies? They're still babies. So, but we have a world that today is killing one out of four. Babies in the world. One out of four. That's ridiculous. The Bible talks in Revelation that there's a pale horse coming. And he has power over one fourth of the earth to kill with various things. And we keep looking for something that's going to come that's going to kill a fourth. Sheep. It's already here. We're doing it. We're doing it. One out of four. That's unbelievable. So how can we we square that truth with what God hates? God hates that. And yet we have Christians, Christians, who support those who legislate that. And for someone logical, it just makes my head spin. And yet, God is trying to draw us together with the whole body of Christ. And work these things out. It's really amazing. I, I would think it would be almost the other way. You know, get them out of here and it's, uh, so that we don't get polluted by the whole leaven of that. And yet yeah, God has drawn us to these people, which has been a Bible, I have to confess to you. I do not see this one kind of... But here it is. So, one of the things I'm going to do here in the next week or two or three is... <laughs> Give you a different angle on truth. Okay? And we have to start with the Bible. Because if you don't have that, you have nothing. All you have is your opinion. And let me tell you what, folks. Your opinion will change over life. You see what color hair I got? I am not 43 as I've been done for all these years. I'm 63-8. That's a cursed word, man. Whoa, dude, yeah, thank you. Thank you, said the 86 year old back there. 60, 87. Your opinions can change. But the Word of God remains true and faithful and unchangeable. So you need to know the Bible. I've said that for a hundred million times. You've got to read the Bible. I don't, I'm not going to go any further with it. I'm not going to ask, how I many, you know, I got to say this though. I last <laughs> one. This is too funny. Uh, it's called Popsicles with Your Pasture at Iwata. Gee, that was fun. And, uh, that was really fun. I enjoyed that. But one of the ones, uh, one thing they did at the end, at the end of it, the, there was two sessions of that. Uh, I got in the middle and they could ask me any questions they wanted to. And, uh, I can't remember what the question was, but I, I came up with a, a point about reading the Bible. I said, yeah, and it's just, there's 60 books in there. And some of them, kids, no, there's 66. They were right. I was wrong. Right. <laughs> I don't I ain't have any books in the bag But i tell you this, you ought to read them all. And I've read them all several times. And you should too. Amen? Now, let's look at some, let's get, I want to, Let's see if I can just take you through some basics here today. That's kind of what I wanted to do. Just some basics. Look at Second Timothy. Second 2 Timothy chapter 2 three. Timothy is uh what is called Paul's Doxology. It's his last book he ever wrote. It's his last letter. He writes this letter to one of his mentees, you know, people he's the discipling. They're gonna take over the church. He's, this this Timothy, the guy's gonna become the next Leader of the church at Ephesus, which was the principal church of that day. Paul had been mentoring him for some time. And, uh, and so he's, he's writing this, this valedictory, this, uh, what I would call his Deuteronomy. About a year ago, God told me to write my Deuteronomy. And he used the scripture here as part of that. So, if you do, even if you didn't know, but you feel like you were getting close to him. And he did. He later on, here, in this book, he said, I'm about ready to be poured out. It's about over. So if you do that, and you want at least one more shot, maybe the last shot, as a people that you've been pouring your life into, your loved ones, etc., what do you want to give them the best shot? The things that really matter. So what you find here is Paul has a few things he's mentioned uh, you know, uh, in this last letter. And the last thing that he brings up as a subject in his last letter is about the Scriptures. The Scriptures. The last word he leaves is focus on the Bible. So let's pick it up in chapter 3, verse 10. He says, You have carefully followed my doctrine, manner of life, purpose, faith, long-suffering, love, perseverance, persecutions, afflictions, which happened to me at Antioch, at Iconium, at Lystra. What persecutions I endured, and out of them all, the Lord delivered me. Yes, and all who desire to live godly in Christ Jesus will suffer persecution. But evil men and impostors will grow worse and worse, deceiving and being deceived. But you must continue in the things which you have learned and been assured of, knowing from whom you have learned them, and that from a childhood you have known the Holy Scriptures. So here we go. The Holy Scriptures, which are able to make you wise, for salvation through faith, which is in Christ Jesus. Look at verse 16. All scripture is given by inspiration of God. And it's profitable for doctrine with proof, correction, instruction, and in righteousness, that the man of God may be complete, thoroughly equipped for every good work. Now, go back to verse 16. All scripture is given by inspiration of God. Interesting word there. That literally means it is God breathed. The breath of God, the spirit of God, came upon people to to write scriptures. Now, what this—if you have a word wealth here, uh, Jack Haber has some good stuff to say about this God breathe. It is not of human intellect. Uh, the Bible is not the product of elevated human consciousness or enlightened human intellect, but is directly breathed by God. So I can't just think it up. Now, you know what people do? They write these blogs or do podcasts or make opinions. They can, with their intellect, they can write and say a lot of things. But the Bible is not so. It does not rely on a human to be real smart and write this thing. It is given from heaven. God brings it to a man. Now, it's not like Men are not involved, because they are involved. In fact, further on, this word about it says, this does not mean that these, the, the writers are just robots. They were being used, but with their conscious participation. God does not override gifts of intellect and sensitivity that he has given to his creatures. So, it's interesting, isn't it? He doesn't rely on my intellect to preach. But he uses it. But in the right order. First, I tell you what, I've learned, again, 68. I've been preaching for a long time. And I've learned this. I would rather have one five second revelation from God than studying 40 hours. One thought from God is amazing what it does. And compare that to 40 hours of study with the brain power of Einstein. They're not even close. Okay? So, God is not relying upon my intellect to do what I do, but he will use it but it's second. Okay? Now, so, the scriptures will give them because God wanted to give them, not because a man wanted to write something. People write books all day long, but they're not in the Bible. Okay? Now, even getting in the Bible wasn't it an easy thing to do. Did you know that the New Testament, let's just take the New Testament. Did you know that the New Testament today, as we know it, I think that's 26 books, or I actually counted them, was not even canonized, in other words, affirmed to be the Bible, until the mid-300s? Y'all know that? Isn't that interesting? Now I will say this, the first two-thirds of it, 2021 of them, of the books were pretty much agreed upon by, oh, the end of the first century, or 150, somewhere in there. But does that seem like a long time to you? Jesus died in what, 33 AD or something like that, somewhere in there, 30 AD. So it took about a hundred years for the church to agree that these books are a part of the Bible. But there were several books, it took another couple hundred years before we said, okay, all these are a part of the Bible. You know for some of the ones I had the biggest trouble with? How about the book of James? Y'all like the book of James? How about the book of Hebrews? Which I consider a monument in the Bible. That is a great book. How about uh, this? Uh, the second books of John. First, second, and third John. The second two books. It took a long time. And the last book. That they read should be in the Bible, the very last book, the book of Revelation. And what's funny about that to me is that a lot of times they, uh, people get saved. That's the first book they want to read. When are we get out of here, let me show So interesting times. What is the Scripture? We're supposed to preach the Word. That's what he continues on. Look at chapter four, the caption: Preach the Word. Because the word is God breathed and inspired by Him, preach that. And that's the last thing He tells Timothy: preach the Word, the Bible. What is the Scripture? Look in uh, Luke twenty-four. What are Scriptures? All Scriptures given by inspiration of God. So, what qualifies as Scripture? Look at Jesus' own words here. I think should define that for us. Luke twenty-four. Verse 44, look at the caption above it. it. says, the scriptures opened. Or what is the scriptures? That question is about to be answered. Verse 44, he says, Then Jesus said to them, These are the words which I spoke to you while I was still with you, Then all things must be fulfilled which were written in the law of Moses and the prophets and the Psalms concerning me, And he opened their understanding that they might comprehend the Scriptures. He just gave you what the Scriptures are. The Law of Moses, the Prophets, and the Psalms. That's the Scriptures. But they didn't even understand it. I mean, it had been there for a long time. That part of it had been there for a long, long time. And yet, he had to do something for them to really understand what it was all about. Isn't that amazing? They had the Bible... the the Law of Moses for, oh Lord, um, fourteen hundred years by this time. My God, you think that God on it in fourteen hundred years? But He's doing something that's never been done. He's not up there, understanding. So there was something missing. It was given by inspiration of God, and let me tell you this, much, folks, it's also understood that way. By inspiration of God, it is a spiritual book. So what do he do? He does something. He, by the way, he is just being raised from the dead, this scripture here. And so he opens up their understanding. And then he said to them, verse 20, 46, thus it is written, and thus it was necessary for the Christ to suffer and to raise, to rise from the dead on the third day. And that repentance and remission of sins should be preached in his name to all nations, beginning at Jerusalem. And you are witnesses of these things. That's a big word, witnesses. I want people to testify about this thing that is true. God's got to inspire them, too. Verse 49. So, I'm going to send the promise of my Father upon you, to tarry you the city of Jerusalem until you are endued with power from on high. It's a direct reference to Acts 1. He says, you wait for the Holy Spirit to come. You just wait. And then you can become my witnesses. So the very thing you're going to find here in a few minutes, the very thing that inspired the Scriptures is going to inspire you and until you have the same inspiration that the guys who wrote the scriptures have, you really don't even understand what it's saying. Does that make sense? I challenge anybody here to read the book of Ecclesiastes and tell you what it means. All is vanity. Without the Holy Spirit. Tell you what it means. So, We need something here. We need the Word, and we need something from God. We need witnesses. Just like those guys who wrote the thing had. John 5. One of the interesting scriptures here is John 5. Jesus continually dealt with people who knew the Bible. The Bible of the day. They had the Law of Moses. They had the Prophets. And they had the Psalms. They had the Old Testament portion of the Bible. For a long time. And they were well studied in it. They had other books, the Mishnah, and all these other things they wrote about the Bible. These guys were intellectual. They were smart people. And they studied. They were serious about it. And yet, when the Son of God came, which all these scriptures were pointing to, there was a problem. The people who knew the Bible the most ended up killing God himself. Woo! You know, not even let that fellow live. Did that happen to you? Oh, no. Why? You too smart? You know more? Why? Well, Jesus is talking to the Jews here in John 5, verse 36. He's talking about how John was a Was witnessing about Jesus. He said, but I have a greater witness than John's. For the works which the Father has given me to finish, the very works that I do bear witness of me that the Father has sent me. And the Father himself who sent me has testified of me. Now the Father is also a witness. The Holy Spirit is a witness. The Father is a witness, and a witness of me. You have neither heard his voice at any time, nor seen his form. But you do not have his word abiding in you, because whom he sent him, you do not believe. You search the scriptures, for in them you think you have eternal life. And these are they which testify of me. But you are not willing to come to me. That you may have love. That's interesting, isn't it? The very thing they studied the most was pointing to Jesus. And yet they would not come to the one it was pointing toward. So here's, I'll give you a little heads up here. We are coming into a time, and we are now in it, where there's going to be warfare in the church about what is the scripture and what is the witness of Jesus? We're in that warfare now. So who's going to win? The smartest guys on the planet? Those are the smartest guys on the planet at that day. And they missed the point. You know, I, I look at John. I wonder, you know, how do you train anybody to do the works that you want them to do in their life? He is very deliberate about taking you through the experiences so you will understand how to do what he has for you in your life. I think that God has set me up to deal with what's happening in the church today this way. The first thing he did is he let me go to law school, knowing that he's going to mix that deal at the last minute. Why would he do that? Because he wanted to give me a real baptism in legalism. I was, I was full of it. Lawyers are full of it, by the way. Yeah, that too. And one of the first things I marveled at was how could these smart people, and they are smart people. They're smart people. No idea go back, Okay, I'm curious. Uh How could these really, really, really smart people <laughs> disagree with one another so much? Because the way the law is set up, the legalistic part, it's set up in a such a way that you should always come to the same conclusion. It's safe that way. What? It's just called serious decisions. I'm not going to get into all that. But anyway, what has been decided will be decided the same way the next time. You can rely on that. That's the point of the law. So it's reliable. You can always get the result that you, that you expect. Except when they get to the Supreme Court. And all these smart, smart, smart guys up on the Supreme Court comes up with the before decisions. How can that be? How can the smartest of us look at the same facts with the same foundation of the law come up with a different answer from each other? Yeah, I just want... Too much opinion. And you know what opinion comes from? My will. I want it to be this way. Therefore, I will find all the logic in the world that I need to back that up. So, guys... We're running into the church now. I'm not kidding you. Where the collision is going to come over what is the scripture and what does it say. And you're going to find some collisions between the smartest among us. And some of those will be just like these Jews. They will never get the point. The point is not how much word senses do you know. It's who do you know. Because they all take you to a relationship with Jesus Christ. If you can't have a relationship, you miss the point. You can know the Bible. I can quote you scripture up, the wazoo. If it didn't lead me to Jesus and really singing a song like we just sang. Jesus, I love you. Oh how I love you. And I didn't really mean it. Try because I mean it. Then I miss the point. What you have is a formula thy a relationship. And you can read the book of Psalms. You can read the books of the prophets all day long and still miss it. Because it's supposed to take you to a relationship that's above even the knowledge of what it says. But you need them both. And I hope you hear what I'm saying. It you ain't know how smart you are. And that you read. It. It's the, the things that are presented to you take you to a relationship with him. He is a person, folks. He's not a formula. He's not 66 books. Some people want to elevate this to being God. It's not. This is not God. It's a book that God inspired about God. Amen? But you can know this and not know Him. Jesus said it. So there are people who will make this. Get this. The idol. How could you do that? Well, by understanding of what it says becomes by God. And if it violates what the Lord has really saying, He ain't in it. Now, I know that sounds hard to believe. Why do you think we have denominations in this world? Because of what I'm talking about today. And the one thing that the church has always had trouble with, it wasn't getting the 66 books right. It was dealing with the Holy Spirit who was a witness to these books. The one who inspired it is the one they had the most trouble with. Isn't that amazing? The last book inspired by God that got into the Bible, the book of Revelation, is probably the most spiritual book there is. All the ones, that, the, the books that John wrote are probably the most spiritual books in the New Testament, and they were the last ones in. I wonder why. And the history of the church has always been a war with those who want to worship Him in, in spirit and in the truth. They want just the Word. And they want to go back to it and become Jews again. And Paul talks about it. Beware of going back to the circumcision, to the wall. So, Jesus said, just come to me. And they wouldn't do it. Hebrews 1. And they basically killed him. So, you know, opinions can take a walk. Because opinions can kill. My view of the state of the church today is not exactly what has happened we have way too many opinions, and we're killing each other with our opinions. We're going to destroy this country with our opinions. Nobody is moving at an inch. We're going to end up shooting guns. You watch. Hebrews 1.1. 1, 1. Verse 1 says, God, who at various times and in various ways, spoke in times past to the fathers by the prophets has in these last days spoken to us by his son. So we know that from this scripture that God has always used prophets to speak his word. In fact, when a prophet got it right, like Isaiah or Jeremiah, their very word that they either spoke or wrote became the scriptures that we all read. They became the scriptures. They became God's word because God inspired them and they said it. So he's always spoken through prophets. And then he brings his son. And he spoke through him. Now did I stop the prophets? Did you know That has been a debate for 2,000 years. After the first century, there was a debate as to whether that stopped. No more prophets. Because now we've got the Bible. It's Ephesians 4. He speaks to us through his Son. Ephesians 4. Verse 7. You used to hear pages him, but now we hear it on the cell Verse 7 says, To each one of us grace was given according to the measure of Christ's gift. Now what we're going to show here is the gift of Jesus Christ, or the expressions of Jesus Christ. He says, when he ascended on high, he led captivity captive and gave gifts to men. So when Jesus died and went back to heaven, what he left was gifts to men. Verse 9. Now this, he ascended, what does it mean? But he also descended into the lower parts of the earth. He who descended is also the one who ascended far above all things in the heavens, that he might fill all things. And here's the gifts. And he himself gave some To be apostles, some prophets, some evangelists, some pastors and teachers for the equipping of the saints. So when Jesus left, Hebrews said he's going to speak to us through his son. What he did is he took himself, all that Jesus was, and he poured out himself as gifts in portion to various men. Some are apostles, some prophets, pastors, evangelists, teachers. Now for 2,000 years, the church readily accepted... Pastors, evangelists, and, and teachers. Those three. But boy, they had a really hard time after the first century of the apostles and the prophets. Whoa! And nowhere in here will you ever find that he cut that off. But they somehow imply that. That he cuts them off. I don't think so. I don't think so. And that's going to be one of the big debates. So, he speaks to us through these apostles. Look at Second Peter chapter 3. And prophets. 2 Peter 3, <clears throat> verse 2. This is Peter writing, of course. He says, I want you to be mindful of the words which were spoken before by the holy prophets. Alright, that's the Old Testament. And of the commandments of us, the apostles. So Peter, by this statement, says, look, it is true. The scriptures included the Old Testament prophets. But it also includes what the apostles were saying. And so they wrote these next twenty six books. And they become a part of the Bible. All right. So God has always spoken, and his primary his primary vessel through which he speaks are prophets. And the apostles are basically what prophets sent. He's always used men, prophets, and spake his word by inspiration of the Spirit. And that becomes the things that we listen to. Okay? Now we have the Bible. And that becomes the definition of what is being spoken today. It needs to line up with that faith. But don't think that God has quit speaking through prophets. He still speaks through prophets. All right? Even the Bible itself shows that there are some people that he used during the days of of Paul. They didn't write a book. It's not in the Bible. But they prophesied about the things that were going to happen to Paul. And it did. So it still goes on. And even one of the books in the New Testament talks about that you should all prophesy. All of you. You should should desire the gift of prophecy. That's a wild one. Y'all want to try that right now? Y'all want to give a word of prophecy? The Bible says, "You do not have the Holy Spirit." You can do that. You can do that. What keeps you from doing it? Somebody said fear, lack of faith. Faith is what makes these things operate. Faith. Jesus said to those disciples uh, that He said, you, "You search the Scriptures, but you won't come to Me." He said, "I know you don't have the love of God in you." or the Word of God in you because you don't love, and you don't believe. Here's what I'm seeing, folks. People who will reject what God says through the Spirit, and that, you know, the Bible was written by the Holy Spirit inspiring of people. People who push that back really don't believe in the Holy Spirit. They don't believe it at all. And what are the fruit of that is you just see it on them. They don't really have the love of God in them. They're the most unhappy people on the planet. Have you noticed there's no joy there? Now, either we are joyful people because we don't know a dad dumb thing? That's possible. Or maybe because we have the Holy Spirit. The Bible says the kingdom of God is righteousness, peace, and joy in the Holy Spirit. Where does the joy come from? In the Holy Spirit. You take him off the table, and everybody's walking around and says, Yeah, yeah, yeah. those new songs. <laughs>
1: you don't worship
0: God in hymns. Really? 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 You know when most of the hymns were written? Do you know? When were they written? Around the 1800s? You ever take? Maybe a couple hundred years ago? Wasn't that all the time before that? We didn't we didn't worship God? Because the hymns weren't around? Come on. Do you really think God is that bound up that He can't speak or minister to people to praise Him and worship Him without a freaking hymn? And I'm don't say well, I love him. I guarantee you, you start almost any hymn, I can go along with you with words. singing the words. I don't remember most of them. I love them. But I love them, a new song. The Bible says come into his presence with a new song. So he's always inspiring new stuff. But there's always there's going to be a resistance against that you just watched. Against the music of today. I thought we had fixed that battle back in the nineties. We call them the hymn wars. And those proponents of the hymns, if you go to the churches today, they'll sing the song that you sang this morning. But there is a pushback. So we've got to get rid of that because there's something wrong. Really? Holy Spirit's moving, people crying, lifting up their hands. What is wrong? It's your doctrine. You won't come to Jesus. You just want to know about him. And you don't really believe it. Or you would do it. I thought to people all day long so I believe in the gifts of the Spirit. But you know, you've got to have, you got to have, you've got to have. And what they're saying, you've got to have, they're saying, I have to control. Well, nobody can speak in tongues in a, in a church unless there's an interpreter. Really? Really? Okay, then you interpret. Oh, no, 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 no. All it takes is faith. You speak in tongues through faith. You, pro- you interpret through faith. You prophesy through faith. You do miracles through faith. It's all about faith. So if it's not getting done, it means you have no faith. And guess what love works by? Faith. Ain't it? Why are there any miracles? Because nobody loves. Why? They have no faith. Does that make sense to y'all? Okay. I'm not sure why I'm preaching on that, but I like that. Saint Peter one. When <clears throat> Jesus was talking to those Jews, <laughs> I think he, I think he actually, I love to stir them up. He said, "You guys, you have never heard the voice of God. Y'all remember we read that. You've never seen him. You've never heard his voice. So you don't know yeah, really believe him. Look at Peter. Chapter 1, verse 16. We did not follow cunningly devised fables, when we made known to you the power and company of our Lord Jesus Christ, but were eyewitnesses of His majesty. I saw it. Jesus told those Jews, you've never seen God. Peter did. When he went up on the mountain transfiguration with James and John, God came down. And transfigured Jesus right in front of them. And the glory of him was amazing to them. And guess what he heard? The voice of God saying, this is my son. Hear him. He heard that voice. So he's already passed his Jews. He said, we were eyewitnesses. The 17th we received. He received from God the Father honor and glory. When such a voice came to him from the excellent glory. This is my beloved Son, in whom I am well pleased. And we heard this voice, which came from heaven, when we were with him on the holy mountain. And so we have the prophetic word confirmed. What's he talking about? The word in the Old Testament, by the prophets, about Jesus. We had it confirmed because we saw it and we heard it. We were eyewitnesses. I am a witness. Saw it. Heard it. It changed me. Folks, you know what, right now the war's coming where people are going to go down these same lines. You can't hear God. How many of you are afraid to say, God told me? In a public setting. How many of you ever say, God told me? See your hands. How many of you ever heard the word, the, the voice of God? We talked about this last week. just said, thoughts in your head. You just don't know yet that that's the voice of God. Jesus said, my sheep hear my voice. And another, they will not follow. I mean, he wasn't saying, babies don't hear, or what begging God that they could hear. No, he just, my sheep will hear my voice. Now again, you may not understand that that's God speaking to you, but don't kid yourself, he's speaking to you. There's another level of it, where his voice thunders. It's like the book of Revelation, it's like every, every note on the sound spectrum, he feels that. It's just, it would fill this room like it was a super loud, but not like a rock concert loud, just complete. The voice of God. Now I have heard that one time when he called me to preach. All he said was Larry three times i got the message out of my name. How do you do that? Holy Spirit. So, if a time is coming, and it is now, where if I told you that what I just told you, they would think that I'm crazy. I know you think I'm crazy anyway. So why are you here? We're well, all bozos on this bus. You hear the voice of God. But there's a time, you'll be afraid to speak about that. You won't tell anybody that you hear God. I get around about the pastors and say, well, you know, God told me, and they look at me. Well, well, what? Really? And I'll tell them what God said. And you know what? It usually kind of convicts them, because God did say it. We're coming to this. Don't be ashamed of it. That's what I'm trying to tell you. Don't be ashamed of hearing the voice of God. You should hear it. Just like the prophets did. And their words became scripture. Now, I'm not saying that your words should become scripture. (laughs) I'll ask your spouse about that. But it should bring faith to you, folks. It should bring faith to you. And if faith is in you, you will start loving. You will. And you can handle these weirdos that will be coming into the body of Christ. Because what God is going to do, He's going to separate those who want to be legalistic and right all the time from those who know they ain't right, who know they're sinners, and He's going to save them. And they're going to be coming in here, and you can go right straight to and love on them. Because there's no contentious about who knows the most. It's, who did you know? So Peter heard that voice, and he says, this is Scripture. This is Scripture. And in verse 20, he says, know this. No prophecy of Scripture is of any private interpretation, for prophecy never came by the will of man. But holy men of God spoke as they were moved by the Holy Spirit. So, all right, all right. You know, I don't want to get into a private conversation with someone about, you know what, what is your firmly held beliefs. Even understanding that Scripture is not private. It's something that we all need to come together on. I think i to stop right there. What I see happening to people right now, and I saw it again the other day, it just blew me away. God is drawing me personally into relationships with people that I know that their doctrine is wrong. What do you do with that? You love them. You love them. Like I say, if you really get out of yourself and above yourself, nobody believes everything like you do. Is that true? How many of you think the whole world should believe exactly what you think? I mean, do you really believe that? How do you get in a fight with your spouse because you think that they ought to agree with you? Nobody. Okay. How many of you are liars? <laughs> 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 so you are blessed. So you know God gives you these relationships to let you know. You ain't all that the bag of chips. If you were perfect, he would have sent that spouse to you to complete you. The two become one? How much neither Oh God to do what? I guess it setting me straight, huh? <laughs> That's what they all do. And so if this is true with husband and wife, it is equally true with churches of different denominations. We're not called... To fix everyone's doctrine, we're called to walk in the unity of the Spirit. The battle lines are going to be over the Spirit. You choose the Spirit, they'll choose the doctrine, and God's going to separate the sheep from the goats. You watch. The ones that you think are high-mighty lifted up are going to be going that way. And the remnant is going to be drawn together, and they're going to look pretty ugly. Not perfect. The only thing that makes anybody righteous is the one I'm supposed to relate relate to. I ain't fixing myself with a doctor. I can read all 60-something books and still miss it. He's what I want. Amen? I thought it was all over the man today, so sorry. Next week though. Yeah, I really love you guys. I really love y'all. I just think that we where I was gonna go with my life and I ended up with this. And uh I would not trade I would not trade for nothing give me what the prophet the prophet spoke to me it's not in the bible but he was inspired by the same God that wrote the bible with these words I'm going to send you the dejected the rejected the unlovely the unkind and you're going to take them into the promised land the kingdom of God and you're going to love them and it is true it is true I've proven this to be the truth. Look at you. Are oh, you uns. Tell your wife she's an un. Woo-hoo. Marital counseling is separate. A separate feet. Let's pray. Father, we thank you for your love for us. We thank you for your word, which is the truth. But let us never forget, nor if we can bear witness to it. Yes, hurry. Isn't that interesting? There's the one that resists putting it in the Bible gave us the witness. There's three that bear witness. And one of them is the Holy Spirit, the very one that wrote the thing. God, don't let us slip from this. Let us walk in the Spirit. And if we do, we will not fulfill the lust of the flesh. We will not hate one another. We won't be dissension with one another. We won't be putting down one another. We'll be loving one another despite the differences. And then you will speak truth through that relationship that will set us free. The things that matter to you, I really trust that you're going to take care of. Because you are God. And you are the partner. We are the clay. You'll do it. We give you praise. In Jesus' name, amen. And not six for the worshipers.